0: Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for the modern parent working in the modern world. Join us as we interview leading experts in their fields to unveil the secrets working parents need to succeed at work.
1: Welcome to the Parents at Work podcast. This is a podcast for people who want to succeed and thrive at work while they have kids. My name is Tom Spiggle. I am uh, one of the co-hosts of this show, along with Lori Mihalik-Levin. The show is sponsored by the Spiggle Law Firm, where we represent people who have been wrongfully fired or afraid that they might be. And Lori has got a great program called Mindful Return that I'll let you talk about, Lori, and then we will introduce our guest and get going.
0: Wonderful. Thanks, Tom. Yes, Mindful Return is a program that helps new parents transition back to work after parental leave. It's a four-week online program that individuals can sign up for or that a bunch of employers, about 50 of them, offer as a parental leave benefit. So we're delighted to be here with all of you today. Last month, we talked to moms and dads in the legal industry. And this month, we're talking to both moms and dads in the HR field. And, you know, we've had the mom version, the mom episode already released. And now we're talking to several dads in the HR space. Today, we're here to talk to two different dads in the human resources field. First, we're going to have a conversation with Wiley Simmons and then one with Adam Kelly. And we did speak with both of these HR dads separately. So you'll hear one conversation and then the other. Wiley, if we could start off, can you tell us a little bit about your own personal working parent story to get us oriented to how you came to be where you are today?
2: Sure. I appreciate you having me on today. To kind of summarize my story was I went through a separation many years ago and ended up in a custody battle. So at the end of the custody battle, I ended up winning custody of the children a lot sooner than I thought I would. I didn't think, you know, when a male goes through a custody battle, there is a uh, you're not sure whether you're going to win or not. There's a steep hill to climb. So to, to have won my case and for the judge to say, they will start living with you tomorrow was a big switch for me. Didn't expect that. You know, now I have to juggle two children on a daily basis as opposed to possibly seeing them every other weekend on a visitation schedule. When I have to balance this with my job because it's literally the judge gave me 24 hours to get myself ready. So <laughs> from there, we went through and I worked out a work life balance situation with my job and I was able to move forward and raise my children as well
0: wow. and wiley how old were your kids when that happened
2: they were uh my son was 10 and my daughter was eight
0: yeah back to you tom for our next question
1: yeah that's fascinating you really had a different experience than um, than some and that you literally overnight went from you know having your children occasionally to being responsible just completely that's uh, i'm glad to have you on that's a unique perspective i think will resonate with some folks Let me ask you this, Wiley, what attracted to to you to your current role, what you do in the industry? What attracted you to that job even before you were thinking about kids?
2: Okay. Well, to be honest with you, I used to be, before I started doing HR, I was executive and administrative assistant was my background. So I coincidentally took a job as a temp, an administrative position in an HR department and three months later, I got hired into the HR field. That was my first job into the HR field. My HR director said she liked my work ethic and thought that was fantastic. And she offered me to be the benefits coordinator. That's kind of how I got my foot in the door in HR. Honestly, prior to that, before I was in HR, you know, it's kind of tough to trust HR folks when you're on the other side of the fence. Sometimes it appears. When I was coming up through the ranks before I was in HR that, you know, the HR people were always pro-organization and anti-staff because it never seemed, whenever there was a situation between a supervisor and a subordinate, the supervisor would, it seems like, would always win. So it just looked that way. It was an appearance, a perception. But I, now that I am in HR, because I honestly stumbled into HR, I really enjoy it. I enjoy the people. I enjoy the interactions with the staff. I enjoy helping people, and I just think that while I didn't seek out to be in the HR field, I'm really glad that I stumbled upon it.
1: No, I'm sure. I mean, it's, you talk about a very rewarding field, because you know, benefits work alone can be a full-time job, and you guys in HR have to do that and a bunch of other, you know, really important tasks for an organization as well. Well, based on what you just told me, I think the answer to this is it probably didn't have an impact on your career choice, but did having children factor into getting into HR or
2: staying in HR I don't think it factored into since I had children before I got into HR it didn't factor into that however I also have a paralegal background so that it also it kind of fit into that role after I had decided that I didn't want to work in law firms anymore it kind of fit into that role it had a legal aspect to it so I really enjoyed that as well as the customer service so I don't know if Having children helped me to stay in it, but I enjoy being in it. I enjoy telling them of a career field that they might not have thought of.
1: Yeah, sure. No, I think that's a you know a a great perspective for kids to learn about because HR is such a fantastic field. And I think a lot of people just don't think about it as a career choice. People work their way into it, but I don't know if a lot of people maybe it's changing now that people you know think of it in the first instance. So you know, to have someone like you who can tell people firsthand, you know, what a great choice it is, I think is really valuable.
0: Wiley, one quick question. How old are your kids now?
2: So my youngest daughter just graduated from high school last May. So she is 19. And my son is now 21. Great. Son. But they're still under roof. So they might as well be.
0: <laughs> Understood. Yeah. And know. But really right at that crux of being able to make decisions about what their career path might be, too. So interesting phase. Yeah.
2: Very important year.
0: Yeah. So sort of talking about, you know, HR as a profession, I guess I have a macro question and a micro question. The macro question is, what's it like to be a dad in the HR field these days, broadly speaking? And then what's it been like for you to be a dad in HR?
2: I would say that it has been a very rewarding experience for me, honestly. Being in this field has allowed me to see the workplace from a different perspective than I might have seen it prior to my working in human resources. So I do enjoy that. It has allowed me to raise my kids. And because being in human resources is, you know, to me, it's just like being in the military. It's a lot about rules and regulation. And, you know, that's kind of the pin. Not only am I prior military, I'm also a military brat, so, you know, rules and regulations are me. That's kind of how I was brought up. That's how I, you know, kind of always conducted myself. And and, and that's kind of fits into kind of the HR mold. You know, it has allowed me to teach my children rules and regulations and boundaries. And um, it has also, honestly, it has allowed me to expand my views on things that it's allowed me to evolve as a person as far as my views on certain things that may be going on in the country or in the world. So it has affected me greatly. And again, I just I think it's a wonderful profession that doesn't get the accolades all the time that it probably should. I know it's a really long answer.
0: All good, Wiley. That's great. Back to you, Tom.
1: Yeah, no, and kind of dovetailing off of that, you know, speaking of a profession, an HR. Did you find any workplace supports as your role in HR particularly helpful as a working parent? Like whether it was a flexible schedule or, you know, an understanding boss or anything that really helped you in
2: you know, be a working parent. From my perspective, I think that the most important thing for me was to have a supervisor who understood what my situation was and was flexible with me allowed me to do the things that i needed to do because again things happened really quickly and while you try to be prepared for something like this you don't expect that it's going to happen this quickly and my supervisor supported me 100 percent through what i was doing when i received custody and was told that the next night they'll be staying at your house from now on that means i now have to find daycare immediately Again, you have daycare on your mind prior to the court case, but you do you really think that you're going to win? So, you know, I was able to have a very flexible schedule for the next several months while I lined up daycare for my two children. And I think that was the most important support that a person could possibly have when going through a situation like that. Someone who understands, because I have had a supervisor in the past who would not have understood and is all about the job. And sometimes it's more than just about the job.
1: Yeah, I think that you're right. That's absolutely key. And we have heard that. Um, maybe unsurprisingly a number of times that you know, it doesn't matter what the policies are on paper, but if you don't have somebody who understands what you're going through and can be sympathetic to that, that doesn't mean a whole lot. So it sounds like you were, you were lucky to have that. Are there, let me flip the question and ask you, were there any things that you thought that you would need at work that it turns out you didn't?
2: No, I don't think that there was anything that I thought I would need that I actually didn't. I knew, I kind of felt like as long as my supervisor had my back, I'll be fine.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. It sounds like you that really took care of a lot of your needs. Let me ask you, if you kind of looking back at your experience, what supports did you not have, if there are any, that you think would be important for parents coming up behind you?
2: on-site daycare. That's what I didn't have.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That would have been really helpful and free at that. That would have been even more helpful. However, that usually is not the case. So work-wise, I would say there wasn't really anything from the work perspective other than the flexibility of being able to take off the time that you need to take off, even knowing that you understand that the work has to get done also. So, but you are allowed to take off to take care of, you know, we try to take the family first mantra. So, you know, allowing someone to take off to take care of family needs is important. The one thing that I would like to chime in about on that is from a non-work perspective, which is important for someone in a situation who is a single parent and is a support system outside a support system, whether it be friends, good friends, or whether it be family, but a support system is extremely important everybody doesn't have them. But if you have some people that you can have in a support system, because parents need breaks too. Parents need a weekend off. Parents need a, you know, they need a break. Uh, Being a parent is hard work. It's not just uh, changing diapers and feeding and and giving a bath. There's a lot more to it than just those things.
0: Wiley, you were talking about creating a support community. And I just wanted to ask you before we get back to talking about the HR industry how you personally went about creating that support system for yourself because I mean clearly you were thrown into full-time single parenthood very quickly and how did you start going about growing that community
2: well it wasn't as easy for me as it would be for hopefully others who may have family in the area I don't have family in the area so I didn't have that support system however I because they'd had visitations with their mother I was able to take those breaks. When, she, when they went to visit their mother. So other than that time, you know, I was on full-time duty. So, you know, when you have, you're talking about your children, there are only certain people that you will leave your children with because are people that you trust, other people that you trust, talking about friends or family. So you want to, of course, I would go with family, you know, family first. But it's a, of course, with, when it comes to children, you want to leave them with someone that you can trust. But anyone that you... You know, that will give you, you know, a couple of hours off to go to a movie or anything. Just a a little bit of a break every now and then. Good friends or family. Again, I didn't have it as much because I may have had one or two friends who I might have trusted enough to keep my kids, but that didn't happen often. It was just I just did what I had to do.
0: Yeah, that trust piece is hard and I feel like you're not alone in the sense of there are so many people in our country, especially today, who are living far from their families and yeah, it's much harder to create that village than it used to be. Now you mentioned wishing that there were on-site free childcare, which made me think we're in the wrong country because <laughs> I'm sure there are, there are countries where they have that. But I'm wondering what changes are happening in the HR profession that are affecting working parents today. Maybe it's not free childcare, but maybe there are some other changes that are happening.
2: Sure. You know, I would say that you know one of the biggest changes that has has happened over the years is just the advancements in technology that allow people to do their work no matter where they are. And sometimes that allows you to be more flexible with schedules, with your work life balance. You know, I don't know of a whole lot of other things that are happening in the um Jar field that are I mean other than, you know, a mandatory leave law, DC's come you know, has the um, new law that's coming up. So there are states in DC that are getting on board with making sure that families who are having children or adopting are allowed paid time off in order for them to do the things that they need to do, including bonding with the child, which, you know, should not be limited to six weeks or eight weeks. So, you know, other than those two things, I'd like to see some things, some other things possibly come about, but those are the only two things that I know of kind of right now that are
0: And HR professionals must be currently tasked with learning about and implementing these new state and local laws that relate to paid leave and such, right? Okay, Tom, back to you.
1: Okay, great. Wiley, I'm going to ask you this. What is your, what's the number one piece of advice that you would have for navigating life as a working parent?
2: I would probably say to, there's nothing wrong with speaking to a therapist, There's nothing wrong with seeking professional help. We all sometimes feel overwhelmed and overburdened. I don't mean to say that in a negative way. I mean to say that in a positive way, that speaking to someone is a very good way to keep a very good balance between all of the things that you're trying to juggle as a single parent. Do not be afraid to seek professional help.
1: I was just going to say that is that's profound and a great insight. You know, I went and saw a therapist when I was trying to, when I had young kids and was struggling at work because I think, you know, I think there is this it's changing somewhat, but certainly a myth that, you know, we're supposed to know how to be parents instinctually and here are these children and, you know just normal and you figure it out and you go to work and there's i think people put a lot i mean i certainly did you know like what's wrong with me what's why, why is there so much stress and i think it's an important and brave thing for you to say that that's absolutely right they're just you know if, if your car's having trouble you take it to a mechanic without even thinking about it you know if you're struggling there are people out there you can go to you know to get help with from.
2: absolutely if i could tell a quick story real quick so uh, i'm putting a little bit of my business out there but for this subject i'm okay with it so many years ago you know when you kind of go through some things in life and you kind of feel like kind of a dark place okay from the hr side you know the we offer employee assistance programs to our staff which is there are counselors on call 24 7 365 days a year you know the whole nine. so me being a guy a male alpha male I can handle this. I can handle whatever comes my way. I'm a guy. I am man. <laughs> so, and then I, one day was walking through the offices of my job and I completely lost control of my emotions. And so of course, I very quickly walked to my office and shut the door and you know, what is going on here? So mind you that six months earlier, I had taken the EAP brochure home and it's had been sitting on my dining room table for six months but I hadn't made the call. So that day happened, rushed to my office. That day I realized, you know what, this is bigger than you. Maybe you can't handle everything. That night I made the call. And from then on, I everything kind of moved forward and went well for me.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I think it's, you know, there are many great things about our culture, but one of the things I think that is difficult, particularly for you know a lot of people, but certainly for working parents is you know, we don't have the institutional and familial support that maybe other places in the world have or that we used to have, right? I mean we all travel now to, you know, for our career, we're not necessarily near family. They're not a built in caregiver network for us. And I think we've continued on as if there is one and that's so working parents, you know, hey you work and you should be able to take care of your kids and sleep and do all the other things you need to do to take care of yourself. And that's just not the reality for most people. But I think a lot of folks, maybe men more than women, tend to want to think it's their fault. You know, I mean, one of the biggest things for me, you know, when I went to go and get help, was just to have somebody tell me, you know, acknowledge it. Yeah, this is really hard. What you are doing is really, really difficult. And I think I had been under the if subconscious illusion that this was somehow a failing of mine, that this was hard. And my therapist was like, no, this is empirically very difficult, the thing that you're going through.
2: Sure. And if I could just offer one more tidbit. Depression is real. And I'm hoping that, you know, there have been instances that have happened over the past. You know, they happen every year, pretty much every year where people are dealing with, you know, mental health types of issues where they allow themselves to get caught up in dealings in the day-to-day that you're not taking care of yourself. And, you know, you kind of sink into this dark place. You know, so I just encourage single parents to, you know, try to get out and enjoy yourselves. Enjoy parenthood. I think parenthood is one of the best things that I have experienced as an adult. The rewards from parenthood are great, but I just, you know, want parents to enjoy being parents enjoy the different phases of of childhood, the infancy stage, when they're cute and cuddly and, you know, they lay in one place and you can walk away and come back and they're still in the same place. And then, you know, they move to the next phase where you walk away and they move down, you know, down the hall a little bit. um, and then they start walking and then they get older and they're toddlers and they're, you know, they're coming into themselves. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing and I'm glad that I experienced it. And it's just wonderful to me.
1: Yeah. I remember talking to a friend of mine and he had kids before I did. And he said something that really, you know, I didn't appreciate it as much at the time, but I later came to really appreciate how profound it was. He said, you know, a lot of people will, you know, talk about how difficult it is having children and the challenges. And of course, that's all true. And, you know, those things need to be acknowledged. But he said, and he was talking mostly about men, but I think this is true. He said, they don't tell you how deeply in love you will fall with your fall in love with your children, and I think that's an excellent point. There are, yes, it's difficult, and that's one of the you know, one of the reasons for having this podcast is so we can learn best practices to help with the difficulties, but also to recognize the beauty in it and not and take the time to appreciate that. You know, it is cliche, but it, it does go fast.
2: Absolutely, and to know that you can love someone or more than you love yourself is is an amazing feeling
1: yeah i think that's right i mean that's almost you know the enlightenment phase in a way you know how you can think so completely outside of yourself even if just for a moment kind of escape those bonds of concern about yourself so much absolutely absolutely well, let me ask you what may be a little bit easier question, and that is: for are there any books that you have read that you would think are a must read for new parents or people that with you know work you know got a
2: career in raising kids? Wow, you know this is where I used my resources of good fathers that I know. They were my sounding boards. You know, they were my advice givers. You know, they were my tribe. You know, basically including my dad. So I, I don't know of any books that, you know, I felt some kind of way about, you know, books that tell you how to parent. <laughs> I always kind of looked at them a little side-eye like, mm, I don't know about that one. <laughs> you know, so I just kind of take things from other people that I see that are good parents. And you know, what I wanted to, what kind of parent I wanted to be and, you know, take things from bits and pieces from different people and just kind of mold into my own, you know, trying to be the best father I can be. So no books. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, I think maybe the question itself, I mean there are a lot of great books out there, but the question itself points to maybe how we are starting to look, you know, we we're not I mean, you're talking about relying on that community knowledge, which is so important. And maybe, you know, it'd be good to get back to some of that, you know, because I mean, not that I was on my own by any means. I mean, I certainly had my parents, but I just, you know, I think that's an excellent point is that in addition to books that, you know, we have each other to learn from. Well, I'm gonna ask you one final question. And if you don't have one in this category, that's fine too. But was there any one piece of technology that helped you make it as a working parent?
2: Oh, so yes, the gift and the curse, the cell phone, I did enjoy as a parent being able to have direct contact with my child as they are at basketball practice or track practice or, you know, or after practice or wherever they are, you know, as opposed to, you know, beeping them and having them call me back from a payphone or something along those lines. But I think that honestly, I think cell phones to me, while there are all kinds of arguments about the negative things that they do, I do think that from my perspective, it was very helpful for me to be able to know not only that I have direct contact with them, but I also can track them from my phone if I need to. I know exactly where they are.
1: Yeah, it's a very powerful tool but double-edged as you uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Are rightly recognize. All right. Well, very good. That was awesome. Great stuff. All right, Lori, I will turn it over to you to talk about coming up in our next episodes.
0: Great. Thanks so much. So Wiley, I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much for your vulnerability really and sharing your working parent experience and your experience as a single parent. And I also just wanted to say thank you for raising the parental mental health issues in the way that you did. I know there's been a lot of talk recently about maternal mental health, but I think it's just as important that we be able to talk to dads as well. So thank you for that. I'm happy to continue on in this conversation with dads in the HR profession. And we did already kick off our conversation with respect to dads in the HR field with Wiley Simmons and had a great conversation with him. And today we are really pleased to be joined by Adam Kelly, another HR professional who is a dad, uh, to give us his perspectives on working fatherhood. Adam is the principal consultant and founder of HR consulting firm ARC Human Capital LLC. He's the proud father of three terrific kids, a son who's almost 17 and twin 13-year-old daughters, and he lives in Woodbridge, Virginia. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. We're delighted to have you today.
3: Well, that's great because now we're all delighted because I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Wonderful, Adam. So let's kick this off with just a really broad general question for you, which is, Can you tell us a little bit about your personal working parent story? Sure.
3: When my son was born, I was actually not in human resources for very long. I had just started in the field maybe a couple years. And actually, that was one of the reasons I got into the field. At the time, I was in the hotel business, which I loved and, and enjoyed. But to be blunt, it's not very conducive to a traditional family life. Hotels being open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, including every major holiday. So as my former wife and I were considering starting a family, I didn't go into HR just because I wanted to be a dad, but it was definitely a reason to do so. And certainly it has been more conducive to fatherhood and both the requirements and the opportunities of that role being in HR compared to you know hotel operations where I was earlier in my career.
0: Great. Yeah, I know that makes sense. I've definitely heard a lot of stories about working in hotel industry, performing arts industries, places where the hours are much crazier. So I can definitely understand that. If you would zoom out a little bit and look at the HR industry more broadly, what would you say it's like to be a dad in HR these days?
3: Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because human resources in general is a field that is largely dominated by women which is just a statistical fact. I teach HR classes, and I will tell you, it is not uncommon for me to be the only male in a room full of 30 female students. So the representation of HR dads, I would feel comfortable saying, is probably much lower than the representation of HR moms. But that said, you know, again, it's a white-collar, traditional, for many industries. Some have uh, less traditional hours. But overall, it's a white-collar, professional field, And as a result, it's going to make certain things easier. Now, of course, certain things are also more demanding because when there's a crisis, you've got to respond, Uh, you know, if the company has somebody who's passed away or some sort of emergency, maybe there's a fire or flooding or something, you may have to go and do what you got to go and do, regardless of whether it's little Timmy's birthday or little Susie's ballet recital, you know, but I think that's just true of life in general.
0: Mm, Definitely. Okay, over to you, Tom. Great. Thanks so
3: much. I uh, some
1: interesting, you know, your perspective in the HR field and that it is, you know, it is so few men in the field. So I'm glad you're here to, to speak on that perspective, Adam. Let me ask you, as you returned to work or became a working parent, what workplace supports did you find particularly helpful?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because some of it was formal and some of it was informal. So on the formal side, when my son was born, which was 2002, uh, again, he's almost 17, I took three weeks of FMLA leave. And I remember that that was very unusual as a father to take what was considered that much time off when obviously I didn't deliver the baby. Why do I need that much time off? Right? Well, of course I knew the kid was coming, so I'd been saving up my leave time and then I chose to use it under FMLA and be off. And my then boss was very supportive of that, but legally there was no issue cuz I was entitled to FMLA protection. So took the time off, it was great. A couple years later when my daughters were born, at that time I was working in a different industry, different company, different boss. And again, I took three weeks off that time. Of course, I had two little babies to deal with, plus one already at home a toddler at that point. And again, took three weeks off. Again, it was rather unusual. There were no issues because I mean, it was fortunate again to have the FMLA protection. But again, my boss was like, hey, you know, if you need to telework a little to save some of your pto time for when you return you can do that so some of it was again kind of the informal side in the relationship i had with my manager and some of it was the formal stuff well the company has xyz policy in accordance with abc law and you know being an hr guy i certainly know how to follow the rules and in this case they were in my favor so i utilized the benefit that was available I'm
1: just curious that particularly the first time that you took leave, did you get any, you know, I'm sure people didn't directly say that to you, but some, you know, you express the scenario. you know, why am I taking the leave? And, you know, I didn't have the baby. Did you hear some of that or get some of that?
3: Yeah. And nothing was, there was no like animosity behind it. Nobody was saying to me, well, you need to be back after a week. You don't need more time off. I never got anything that direct or that antagonistic. But when I would tell people, oh, my, my wife's expecting, the baby's due, blah, 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 the as the conversation continued, and I said, oh, yeah, you know, I'm taking three weeks off, the look on people's faces and some of the conversation, it was quite obvious that they felt that was unusual. I can't necessarily say that you know men felt one way or women felt another way. I won't say that any women said, oh, that's great, you're gonna be home helping with the baby. I also can't say that they didn't because you know it's been over 17 years now. Right. So some of that gets forgotten as the years go by. But I distinctly recall how unusual it was. In fact, later, this isn't my story, but I knew a guy in the hotel business, he worked in the food and beverage arena And he actually used all 12 weeks of his FMLA. And I'll be honest, I was even surprised as an HR guy who understands FMLA and as an HR guy who took an extended, quote unquote, extended three-week period when my own son was born, when his kid came along not long after mine and he said he wanted the full 12, you know, he got it and there was no adverse consequences. But it was very unusual. And again, this was probably maybe 2003-ish or so at that time.
1: Yeah, you know, because we are seeing it starting to change in a good way, but it's fairly recent that we've seen a lot of public support and sort of this groundswell for making sure that fathers take leave as well. I mean, I think that sentiment was, was very much entrenched that, hey, you didn't have the kid, you know, why didn't you need to take that time off? And I'm glad that that is changing somewhat now. Did, did you notice a difference between the first time you took it and the second time in terms of attitude?
3: No, I really can't say I did because that was only, you know, about three and a half years. However, as I sit here talking to you today, you know, 13 and a half years after my daughters were born, as I deal with my clients, they are very interested in putting some sort of a paid parental leave benefit in place. Now, I'm not going to tell you it's like overly generous. I mean, it depends on the client. I have one client who gives 16 weeks of paid parental leave, male, female, same sex. None of that matters. You're a new parent, you get 16 weeks paid. You don't have to take it, but I've yet to see anybody who doesn't. I have other clients who just aren't, you know, in a fiscal position to be able to pay that much time. Plus their business is different and client needs are different, but even them, they have introduced a week or two of paid parental leave. And you know, one or two weeks compared to zero, that's a lot of dollars in the pocket of the person taking the leave, right? Sure, yeah.
1: Glad to hear that the trend is moving that way and that you're seeing that. Were there any things that as you became a working parent, any changes in the workplace that you thought you would need, but it turns out that you did not?
3: Well, again, having gone into a a more white collar profession and then you know, as I climbed the ladder, I had a little bit more control over myself, So for me, the main thing was work schedule. You know, I wanted to go in at eight. I wanted to leave at five, which is still a nine hour day. And I didn't always leave at five. My former wife will tell you that for sure. (laughs) But I was able to have regular hours enough that I could, you know, have dinner with my family uh, most evenings. The other thing that was of particular value for me, my former wife uh, traveled a, a fair amount for work. And of course, when she was away, I was, to use a common parental leave term, the primary caregiver. So I had to drop the kids off by a certain time and I had to pick them up by a certain time, which meant I had to leave work by a certain time, no questions asked. What that did for my employer is it made me hyper efficient and laser focused. You know, I got to work and there was no, let's talk about the game last night, who won, who lost, who played well, no, 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 no. We gotta get work done. I gotta walk out of here at five o'clock. Not five o two. Not five o five. I gotta be out of here at five o'clock because I gotta get through traffic and get to the daycare. So you know, of course, technology has changed things. So sometimes after the kids went to bed, I might check some emails, or I might field a phone call from the car while I'm en route to pick up the kids. So things like that. I guess you might say they were accommodations, but they were really just technology enabling me to do certain things and it was also some schedule uh, i won't even say flexibility just more rigidity like these are my hours and this week that's what i'm working got it as you look at you know people that are coming up behind
1: you in the workplace were there things in the workplace that you did not have as a working parent that you think it would be helpful for new parents today to have
3: well definitely the opportunity to utilize technology again you know working from home, things like that, that maybe I couldn't do or, or didn't do as much of. You know, maybe I could get to my emails from home, but I couldn't get to every other system, which made me marginally productive, you know? Nowadays, people can do so much more on a remote basis. Of course, we see that because so many people just work remote full-time, right? Don't even come to the office. Maybe they're not even in the state of their office. So there, there's that. There's also, I think, as you said a few minutes ago, and acceptance, not work-life balance, because that term is starting, I think, to fade from use, but more this work-life blending, that work and life and life and work, it's all just life. It's all just, I'm living and I have to be employed. So sometimes when I'm at work, I'm dealing with things related to my husband, my wife, my parents who are elderly, my kids, whatever. And sometimes when I'm at home, I'm dealing with things that are work-related. And there's this very much you know, give and take and ebb and flow. It's interesting, you know, modern progressive company uh, will see that and accept it and embrace it. Whereas some other companies that still have maybe more of an old school mentality, well, they think it's great for you to work on nights and weekends, but heaven forbid you take a personal call or need to come in a little late or leave a little early. Those are the companies I think that are going to go the way of the dinosaur, because if they think they're going to have their cake and eat it too meaning that their employees will be dedicated to them when they need them and that they don't need to give on the other side. Eventually, they'll have issues with turnover, with poor comments on Glassdoor and on Indeed and things like that, and maybe issues with uh, the amount of time jobs stay open because people will be like, well, why do I want to work in a place that you're going to abuse me? I have family obligations and those matter too.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important point that that marketplace itself may be driving some of the changes that you know, they need to be more, we need to see more of, and that is, you know, workplace flexibility and dealing with all kinds of, you know, issues that come up in life, uh, whether it's child related or not.
3: Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting nowadays is, you know, thanks to that magical, mystical thing we call the internet and social media, everybody can know what other companies are doing or not doing, as the case may be so much easier than in the old days you know i mean here we are you know we're broadcasting live from the east coast today but we all hear about what kind of things are going on in the tech industry in the san francisco valley or what's google doing or what's apple doing and we're not in the tech field we're not even in that geography one of the examples i use when i teach sometimes is how the tech industry has introduced a benefit you know many companies are always trying to come up with new benefits To be uh, competitive a benefit that enables women to freeze their eggs because when women in that tech space have their babies quote unquote and i'm putting air quotes around this too early women can get basically off track in their career kind of put on the mommy track as i've heard it called and so by delaying having children until later they can advance further in their career such that having the kids later doesn't adversely impact them as much. Well, how do you hold off on having kids when you know every day you get older, I get older, your body gets older, right? Oh, well, we'll just freeze those eggs at age 26 and you can work until you're 38 and have them then. Now, I'm not a biologist, I'm not a scientist, I do not work in the tech field, Silicon Valley, et cetera, but that's a pretty wild and crazy benefit It often gets some interesting looks and chatter when I share it in classes. And that's an example of where a more progressive business is taking into account what their workers have in mind from a family point of view and how it intersects with those same workers as workers in the field, in the industry.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Very good. Lori, I will turn it back over to you.
0: Yeah, I've really been listening with interest in your comments here, Adam. Egg freezing just doesn't seem strange or unusual to me. And maybe it's just, you know, sort of the world that I've grown up in where it is a more common scientific development. I loved your reference to work-life blending. You know, in the conversation that we had with some HR moms not too long ago, we were using words like integration and simply life, as you said. And that concept of balance is indeed going out the window. And before I turn to my next question, I was also sitting here nodding and smiling as you were talking about that hyper-efficiency that you get as a brand new parent when you have the hard stop for kid pickup or whatever at the end of the day. I had this blog post I wrote called, There's No Time for Drama When You're a Working Mama. And I think it goes for all working parents. You don't have time for all the so-called potentially wasted hours spent either chatting in front of the water cooler or talking about the sports or gossiping about people or events or whatever, because you really have to be laser focused on getting your job done. So I could relate to all of that. Thank you for sharing. So my next question really is about what changes you see happening in the HR industry writ large that are having an effect on working parents. And I know you've already touched on a couple of points around 24-hour availability and technology, and you've also talked about transparency being more of the norm. Are there any other HR profession-related trends that you see having an impact on working parents in the HR workforce?
3: Trends specific to HR other than what i've said about you know technological availability nothing is like jumping out at me you know some of the baby boomers and the older gen xers who are in leadership roles in hr if we took those same generational people and we looked at them in any other area of the business operations marketing accounting whatever they might be less accepting of this idea of work-life blending and off hours and things like that. But, you know, HR, by nature of what we do and what we are, we're supposed to be the people who are paying attention to these things and following the trends and creating the trends, right? I mean, if you're an advanced progressive company, you're like, how can we do something that our competitors are not doing so that we're cutting edge? So it would be kind of like speaking out of both sides of your mouth uh, or hypocritical if you said, oh, let's create all these great things for our staff and our company, but not use them in HR. Now, that said, one of the interesting challenges that I have encountered with our field is, you know, we're supposed to be the ones who are available to take care of the employees, right? That's kind of, at some basic level, that's one of the reasons we exist. And so while a lot of organizations will utilize telework, And I'm not talking about full-time remote employment. I'm talking about, you know, just your traditional out of the office a day or two a week. Some operations have a hard time extending that into HR because it's like, well, how can you be available to the employees if you're not here available to the employees? Now, some of that depends on the industry. For example, I have known HR people who tell me, oh yeah, every single person in our company works remotely we don't even have a corporate headquarters everybody works from home and in that case it's a non-issue but if i use my hotel days as an example everybody for and of course this is going back uh 16 plus years here everybody was working in the building and so if somebody needed hr they either called you up at your desk or they walked down and knocked on your door and they came and spoke to you so of course uh, things have changed in the last 16 years. I'll acknowledge that, but just using that as an example, if I'm working from home that day, am I as available to a blue-collar professional who's there working their shift and wants to come and catch me at their lunch break or in the morning before their shift or in the evening after their shift? Well, the answer is no. And so, some industries, regardless of what they may want to do, regardless of what they may see happening in the world of work overall, in the, you know, 175 million strong American workforce overall, they'll be like, hey, yeah, our hands are tied. In this industry, that's not practical.
0: Mm. Yeah, there are definitely some ironies there. I can hear those. Yeah. I also just had a flashback to our conversation with the moms in HR, where one of the moms was called out in saying, you know, look, you're not meant to be the mom to all the employees. You know, there are some correlations and similarities to parenthood, I would think, in terms of taking care of an employee population. But it's not you know possible to parent to everyone within the company. That
3: that is true. I don't know that I could specifically say I became a better HR guy after I became a parent, but nor can I say that there was not some value in the one to the other.
0: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That makes good sense. All right. Back to you, Tom. Oh, very good. Helps if I unmute it. Okay. You yeah, well, I think
1: those are, you know, some fascinating points about, you know, the double-edged sword sometimes that being able to work remotely offers for, for different positions, depending on where you are in the company. But let me ask you this, Adam, what is your number one best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent?
3: Oh, well, that, believe it or not, that's actually not very difficult. I got that answer prepared. I had to do a speech for my master's program and the topic, the way I chose to approach it was seeking life balance. And one of the pieces of advice that I gave you or gave to the people was something that we've all heard when it came in the 1980s to drugs, which was just say no, right? You remember that? Oh yeah. Well, here's where I'm going with this. As you become engaged with your kids in stuff, and when stuff could be your traditional, you know, ballet and baseball or soccer, you know, karate, whatever it may be, you're going to find all kinds of demands that people want to put on you. Like, oh, can you be the carpool driver? Oh, can you volunteer to lead the sale of the gift, of the Girl Scout cookies and all these things? And you have to find an opportunity to make a contribution and still control your own darn life. So I'll give you an example. My son was a Cub Scout, and one year I led the fundraiser for Scouting, which at that time was selling uh, popcorn, okay? And I said, all right, I will do this because there's a finite beginning to the program and an end to the program. There'll be a lot of work during the program, but when it's over, it's over. I will have made a contribution, and then I'll be able to move on, right? Everybody, depending on the number of kids you have, depending on how far you commute, depending on your spouse and their work life situation, depending on how many, you know, all these different things are going to impact how much time you have to give. And you end up with this sometimes, you know, sort of keeping up with the Joneses thing of, oh, well, I've got to volunteer for this and I got to lead this and oh, the, you know, swim team needs me to help with that. And before you know it, You're supposedly making all these contributions, but you're never home to help your own family. You got to stay up till like three o'clock in the morning to get all this stuff done. So then you wake up the next morning grouchy. It's like, wait a minute, what happened to all this stuff that's supposed to be good for our community and our family and whatever? The other thing is, you know, all these parents nowadays, there's an old term, the helicopter parents. You know, we want to be around our kids all the time. And then you feel like you want your kid to be involved in a million things. Now, I'm not telling you that your kid does not find value from teams and from physical activities. I don't care if it's math club, chess club, you know, whatever it might be, right? But when you allow your child to be overscheduled, you end up with all the commitments and the kid never gets any downtime and neither do you. And let me give you an example. There was a particular weekend I wanted to take my family and go do something. Here I am, good dad, spend quality time with my family. It's like, oh, no, we can't do that. We got this, this, and this commitment. I'm like, wait a minute. You're telling me that I want to spend time with my own damn family, and I can't do it because the family's committed to everything else but the family. Is anybody else hearing the craziness of this statement besides me? So my point is this. I'm all for involvement. There's value from it. I'm all for giving back to your community. There's value from it. But you need to know how to say no. And if you're going to say yes, you need to understand the commitment of that yes And that commitment needs to be made with an overall understanding of everything else that's going on in your life. You know, for example, think of the retail business, right? We all know retail is crazy at the holidays, right? So I will tell you, anybody who works in retail would be crazy to volunteer their time to do some, I don't know, Christmas pageant at the school when their business is crazy at that time of year. But maybe that same person could volunteer to contribute to the spring play when it's not a big issue. So you need to understand all the moving parts. Because now let me take it back to the point of view as an HR person, as a business owner, I respect that you want to commit to your community and your children. And there's value to that. And it helps you as a human being. I recognize the value of you being sort of a balanced out by that stuff. But I pay you to do certain things and your employer pays you to do certain things and there's work that needs to be done. And so if you find yourself always needing to walk out the door right at five o'clock and, oh, when we do a company happy hour and we announce it a month in advance and you can't come, eventually there are downsides to all those things. So my point is committing to the family does not mean not committing to the work, just as committing to the work does not mean not committing to the family And if committing to the family means these outside things, you know, fundraisers and pageants and sports, you better be careful and understand the total value of that commitment. Because before you know it, you have committed all your time and you don't have time to just be a family anymore, which seems kind of crazy. to me.
1: No, that's a great point. Uh, It's the first time it's really come up here on the program, and that is the extent to which Those kinds of activities not only can take away from your work, which can have negative effects, as you mentioned, but also your own family. And it really is something that, you know, when you have really young children, it's not that there aren't outside obligations, there just aren't as many of them. And your your time, so much of your time is spent with just basic human functions of your very small being, you know, sleeping and waking and feeding and all the really heavy. Sometimes literally heavy lifting that comes with that. But as your children get older and as, you know, a father with, uh, you know, one kid in middle school, three of them in elementary, you know, I see a lot of this and have experienced it you know, in our own household that these obligations and they're not just as you mentioned, they can be very fun. They can be very fulfilling. They're a good way to stay involved with the school. A community, but it can easily snowball if you are not careful and thoughtful about that. Because, you know, the joke about you know it's kind of the pie eating contest that if you win, you get to eat more pie. You know, like better the better you do at some one of these things, you know, for your school or whatever it is, your scout program or. You know, I mean, I coached my son's uh, rec soccer program for year The the better you do at any one of these jobs, the more responsible you are, the more likely you are for this. Get this mission creep with other things that you're asked to do. Well said. You're a victim of your own success. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So I think that's somebody who is very much feeling the pain of what you were talking about right now and the opportunity of it. I don't want to as you did. I don't want to detract from it. It is a very, I'm fortunate to be able to, to have that problem because it does allow me to spend some special time with my kids. But, but you're right, unless you pay attention to it, it does. It'll just, it is amazing how complicated, you know, I'm sure any parent has been through this, you know, how complicated and how stressful, you know, Planning a birthday party, planning, you know, an outing, you know, doing something for the school where you've got to get more than two people on the same page to do anything. It can be worth work in terms of the demands on your time and the stress. So I think that's a fascinating point.
3: When my son was younger, he played baseball for a while, and there was a boy who was on his team. And, you know, I'd sit up in the stands with the other parents, and so you get to know some of them after a while. And this mom would be like, oh yeah, my kid is on three different baseball teams and we got to run from this game at this field to this game at this field. And I'm thinking, are you crazy? Like when's the kid do homework? When do you sleep? When do you cut your grass and do laundry? And I'm not even talking about the things that might be enjoyable, like sitting down with your kid, watching a movie or going away. I mean, do not tell me that I can't have a family vacation because my family's committed to everything else, but being the family. Because then I'm going to be questioning all those other things. Yeah, it's a. But anyway, enough about that. That's a great point. Well,
1: let me ask you a more discreet question. And that is, is there a book that you found helpful to kind of navigate life as a working parent?
3: I do not have any books that I can specifically recall reading. And Lori, you're probably going to get a laugh out of this. On my bookshelf right now, I have a couple of books about like, oh, so you're going to be a dad. And I don't remember ever having time to read any of them. (laughs) You know, like there's this one classic book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. It's been around forever. I think, you know, like every expectant mom has ever read them, you know. I remember my former wife reading multiple things and some things she would share with me. And I don't know, maybe I'm just a bad dad because I never read any of that stuff. I will tell you, as an HR guy with years of experience in HR and dadding behind me, I do try to encourage my employees when I was in the corporate role and my clients' employees now that I'm in a consulting role, if they have an employee assistance program, uh, to tap into that because it can provide a wide variety of resources. Sometimes it might be something, a podcast, oh, here we go, right? But in the old days, I would have said, you know, a CD that they can listen to or some sort of, you know, papers, not like a full book but sit down and read three or four pages that might be insightful, but a little bit more bite-sized, thus manageable.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. Sometimes you're, ironically, being a parent limits your time to read material about parenting. (laughs) Yes,
3: yes. And, you know, I was a typical guy growing up as a kid in that I made money washing cars, cutting grass, and doing things along that line. I never babysat. And I'm not trying to be sexist. I'm just a child of my age. I'm a product of my age, you know? And so that's how I made money. Whereas, you know, many of the girls that I knew at that age were making money by babysitting. And so when they became parents, they had some level of familiarity that boys did not have. And I'm speaking in generalities, and by no means is it supposed to be a continuation of that way today or or a comment that's an insult. It's just when I became a father the first time, I was like, what the beep do I do with this thing? Because I had no clue. Fortunately, my former wife was a good teacher.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. My final question for you, uh, also just a good question. Is there a piece of technology or an app that you found that was, you really relied on as or continue to rely on as a working parent?
3: Well, certainly anybody will tell you that their phone is never far from their hand. And I will tell you that when you're managing uh, the schedule of multiple people, it's even more critical. Again, you know, I know my kids are maybe a little older than some people who've, who've been on the program. So I have to make my kids put things into their phones and their calendars so that they understand, you know, don't schedule this and don't schedule that because we've already got something else booked. On the flip side, when they schedule something, I tell them you know you need to let me know and they have mostly learned i mean they're still kids but they've mostly learned to ask first before committing you know so a couple of weeks ago my daughters because they're same age and same grade etc they have a lot of the same friends and so both of them were invited to two birthday parties in one weekend one was a saturday evening the other was sunday morning and and i so i had to get both of them to their respective places and had the you know, gifts for the birthday girls and get them wrapped up and all that kind of stuff. And so they called me and they were texted me actually, and they were like, Hey Dad, I've been invited to this. Do we have any plans? Well, hold on, let me check my calendar. And of course I checked it and everything was good. I do know many parents nowadays, when their kids get to that age, which of course is very young because kids are so tech savvy nowadays, they will have a family shared calendar where everybody just gets used to looking at it and adding and deleting and moving things on it. And so if there is a shared calendar app out there that all the, the family members can have on their phone and, and available uh, you know, in the cloud online, then I would say that's the way to go. And you know, as, again, swinging back to my role as a business professional, time management skills are incredibly valuable for employees to have. I don't care what field you're in. And I think that a family who operates that way, not a family who's kind of laissez-faire and casual and willy-nilly about things, but a family who operates like in a coordinated and measured way is teaching those kids how to build the time management skills that will serve them well when they get into high school and into college and out into their career field. Whereas the kid who doesn't have that Regardless of the family impact, they're like, oh, yeah, I have this homework due. I forgot about it. Oh, dad, you took me out to King's Dominion. That was great. But I got this project due. And now it's Sunday afternoon and we're hurrying up to start. Dad didn't know he had a project and the the kid didn't think about it. And now it's like Mm -hmm. crisis mode. Right. So if we can teach our children time management and get them engaged in it as members of the family, then I think we're doing a good job parenting By teaching them a skill, again, that's going to help them in their education and work life.
1: Yeah, I think that's also so crucial, the planning of the calendar and a good idea to include the kids. And now we have, as you mentioned, a number of different tools that allows, you know, let's use technology for good and our phones for good. And that certainly is one of them. Well, Adam, this has been some great stuff. I really appreciated having you on the show. And now I'm going to turn it back over to Lori.
0: Great. Thanks, Tom. I am also very grateful to you, Adam, for your thoughts and insights and sharing so openly with us today. I also wanted to piggyback on this idea of, you know, you didn't have the babysitting jobs growing up. And I'd encourage parents today to think really hard about inviting both teenage boys and teenage girls into their homes as parents, helpers and babysitters. You know, growing up, my husband was. He says he was basically the only boy babysitter on his block, which made him very popular among a number of families. And he, being the guardian of our babysitter Rolodex, is very intentional about making sure that we have a good mix of boys and girls who are, you know, helping out with our six and eight-year-old boys. And so I put a plug in for doing our part as parents to reverse those stereotypes so that when folks come up through the ropes and have their own children, we're all a little bit more better prepared. So again, thank you so much to Adam and to Wiley for your really thoughtful insights on being dads in the HR profession, especially given what we know about how men are perhaps the minority underrepresented in the HR field. We're really delighted that you were able to spend some time with us. Stay tuned, everyone, for our next month's episodes. We're going to be talking to both moms and dads in the performing arts field about what it's like to navigate family and be in the performing arts, and we have some really wonderful conversations coming up there. So stay tuned for that very soon. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Parents at Work podcast. Are you interested in learning more about our show, our hosts, or today's guest? Do you have a comment or question you'd like to share with the Parents at Work community? Then contact us at www.spigellaw.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time.